Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good evening and welcome to Wrestling Rewind. I am Angel Amoroso and I am joined by my co-host, the Iron Man, Tommy Cairo. Tommy? Who couldn't wait like, for his cue? I'm I'd like to say hello <laughs> to everyone now. Hello, everybody. So um, this week's Wrestling uh, Rewind, we will be focus, uh, focusing on wrestling archives so, Tommy, if you want to get right into that, since we only have an hour, let's get right Absolutely. into Wrestling Archives. Absolutely. So this takes me back to being a child. So I'm enjoying this. So what we're going to do is going to read this description of on this day, and we're going to compare it to across the country, the other major Crocker uh, promotions. So this was a WWF, it was still, All-Star Wrestling, January 20th, 1979, at the Hamburg Fieldhouse. We all know it well. Your current champions are as follows. WWF Heavyweight Champion Bob Backlund and Tag Team Champions Tony Gurria and Larry Zabisco. Pop culture number ones of the time. Movie of the Week, Superman, starring Christopher Reeve and Gene Hackman. Number one song of the week, Left Freak by Sheik, Chick. Number uh, one TV show of the 78-79 season, Laverne and Shirley, starring Penny Marshall and Cindy Williams. There's just a note here. The following wrestling exhibition requires discretionary viewer participation. I have to stop there one second. Vince McMahon Sr. was the first one to let everybody know through this little message that played before every single show. Exhibition. Look up exhibition. All right, so here we go. Your hosts are Vince McMahon and the legendary Bruno Sammartino. It appears we are pulling footage from two different episodes which would explain the longer-than-usual runtime of the WWE Network. So the first match was Steve Travis against Baron Miguel Cicluna, the ultimate bad guy. I told him when I met him in the locker room for the first time, I hated you when I was a kid. He loved it. Okay, they're going to give you the description. Travis keeps Cicluna grounded with arm drags and an arm block. Word on the street is Travis was originally hired with the idea he would be part of the Valiant family. When it was doubtful, Handsome Jimmy would get along with Luscious Johnny. As we know what happened in 1979, Luscious Johnny, obviously, I'm sorry, Saguna breaks free from the, I guess he had him in an arm bar, all about and starts pounding on Travis. He's a WWE Hall of Famer, folks. This angers Travis and he fights back, but Saguna punches Travis and delivers a weak kitchen sink knee down low. 
Travis comes back again, and he's actually a pretty good fired-up babyface, at least what you see here in the WWF. Sukuna manages to knee drop and come down on the throat, but the ref still counts two as Travis rolls his shoulder off the mat. Travis has enough and fires back with a series of punches, but the Baron cuts him off and lands another knee drop for a two count. Sukuna tries to snap Mayor Travis, but Travis counters to a, a backslide and gets a quick three count on the Baron. A backslide. You know, they catch it quick, you catch the guy off guard, it makes sense. Travis is a fine lower level babyface. I'd like to see what he could do against a better wrestler like none other than Johnny Rods, for example. So he, the match was rated a half a star. So right here, you see now, my perception growing up for a lot of these guys, I got this whistle because of my tooth. I'm sorry. I apologize. I will have my teeth back. My dog. It's no big deal. Oh, whistle God. away, Tommy. So um, what this, like, I must have been on a different level and actually saw the real uh, ability, not the person that was being pushed as a winner. Not that it was always the case, but I had to look at each case. And is the, the guy that's going under, is he actually superior to the other guy? And like I, Steve Travis, I never thought of him as a lower level guy. Why? Because in my mind, I appreciated that he was very good. So I would never accept him as a lower level. In my head, he was at least a mid-card guy. So that goes to show you the perception isn't always that what the, the intention of the, the gimmick depended on the person. I mean, you know, a lot of these guys that I recall were not the top of the card. Most of them were journeymen or what we call, I never like to use the word job or scrub. I never heard I, that was never circulated in my area. So I think that's it's more a of a current term. term, I think. Yeah. You know, um, so that's the difference I see right off the bat with that match. So we'll give a quick little summary from each one. You, do you, I mean, do you agree with that? Like, I don't know if you yes. even know who Steve, you know who Steve, I mean, he's a good looking guy, he was built and he could, you know, you wonder like, why did they make a star out of him? Because he was so good at making guys that were the shits look good. But you would think, wouldn't you want the best of both if you're a promoter? Wouldn't you want a guy that actually was good, as good as anybody else? You would think. It's politics. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Jimmy and Johnny Valiant with none other than Captain Lou Albano versus Joe Mascara and Kevin Victor. Now, I have to look these guys up later because I never heard of them. I got to see who they are. That's, that's, we'll have one of those guys on. Yeah, maybe. You know, sure. Dig up All some right, of did that. You, did you catch Joe McHugh? That's the ring announcer announcing for Dr. George Sahorian. That's a big name. As the ringside doctor. Hilarious. Handsome Jimmy and Luscious Johnny are such a weird combination with such different personalities. Creatively, Clearly handsome Jimmy could have plenty of opportunities to work singles elsewhere after his successful run in Memphis. Victor and Mascara never had a chance as the Valiant Brothers destroy these guys. Johnny delivers a few elbow drops to finish off Victor in four minutes and 12 seconds. After the bell rings, the Valiant Brothers and Captain Lou continue their attack on these jabronis in and out of the ring. Really strong booking as they clearly have plans for the Valiants for 1979. Is he being sarcastic when he says really strong booking? You know, what do you think about that way of presenting a show? You just beat the guy, 
He has no offense. So essentially, you beat nobody. If you beat a guy, so I, I think they were a little off with that. I think it should have been. You're only hard. as good as your opponent, some would yeah. say. You know? Yeah. So take that yeah. into consideration. Well, also consider that while the NWA was doing, or Jim Crockett was doing his thing, the WWF became increasingly cartoonish. So it's a whole different, like if you came from Crockett and you worked with the guys up here, you'd be stiff. They'd be like, whoa, you know, because that's how it worked. Let alone every night, you know. All right, Ivan Putski versus Tony Russo. Now, Tony Russo was a short, stocky Italian guy. Like, he just was a bat, you know, but like he was a pretty decent hand, you know. He could he could work, he could make somebody look good. Russo shows he's actually dumber than a lock. This is not our writing because he thinks a headlock is going to keep a guy like Putski contained. He decides to hammer down Putski, but that never works either. Meanwhile, Bruno discusses different ways of training to maintain power, maintain power while dropping weight. Bruno's doing his own thing while he's commentating. Putsy eventually just has enough of Russo's attempts and hits him with a Polish hammer for the win in 422. They're all like four minutes. Putsky loves getting on the house mic and yelling things. He wishes everyone a happy new year and hopes they had a good Christmas. Well, I'm not a fan. He coerced me to take him to the airport since I was going that way anyway. My first show, right? And he left. He talked about himself the whole way there. You couldn't, you couldn't say a word. And he left <laughs> banana peels and orange skins in my backseat. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's my experience with Ivan Pussy. Very nice. Vince yeah. McMahon meets with Captain at, at Lou Albano and his Valiant Boys at ringside, which I always loved. Albano calls the Valiant Brothers his great find and looks to get revenge on Tony Garrett and Larry Zabisco for stealing his WW his WWF tag belts. He feels the Valiants are now ready for title matches. He dares any twosome to get in the ring to see if they can last 10 minutes with the Valiant Brothers. Handsome Jimmy does a Handsome Jimmy promo. He must be an Eric Clapton fan, while Luscious Johnny is a little serious, stating how three years... I'm sorry. Stating how hard they have been wrestling while they were gone the last three years. Jimmy hates short people. Albano repeats his challenge over and again, and Vince has grown tired of hearing from these guys. Just hilarious. Um, Jimmy Valiant. Uh, you ever watch him see how he works? Like, he just, it reminds me of a more, a more modern time, Dustin Rhodes. Okay. The smoothest, the best. Nothing looks, uh, it's just amazing. And that's how Jimmy Valiant, he got it like in a groove, and he, and he, you know, and he had rhythm and it, it kind of worked. He had stuff. enough charisma to pull everything off, you know. I the first time I yeah. saw him, it was in USWA Memphis, in like uh, must have been like eighty eight, eighty nine, and like you know, he doesn't look like much, but he puts on a hell of a performance. He draws you in, and you know, makes you watch him. And then yeah. once you watch him, you don't regret that you yeah. did. Right, value See, now, family. I thought he was the You know, I read an article when his real name, I believe, is John Valen. And I read an article that was obviously about him before they called him Jimmy Valiant. And it was Big John Valen. You know, I was posing. And I remember that. And 
Me, I always thought before he got that more goofy kind of gimmick, I always thought of him just always had his trunks up to here. You know, he told you know, it's just really, if you think about it, he's another guy that a few people copied off of, such as Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, you name it. If it wasn't Jesse, the, the body was the first, and there was a whole line of them. Uh, look how many nature boys there are. Nature boy Roger Kirby, nature boy this, nature boy that. There's a million of them. Uh, and, and it's funny that, you know, uh, you could just, I know who I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, and they continue to grow. Ongoing. Right. Yeah, and even look look at um, Buddy Rogers. I mean, but to me, the best by far, mainly because of his ability to cut a promo like no other. Superstar Billy Graham, brother. The best. Superstar Billy Graham. The best. Of course. His of course. promos are on. When he does the one about, I am wearing the colors of autumn. I have the colors of autumn on my body. And he got some of that from who? Another another sport. Muhammad Ali. The original entertainers there. Yeah. You know? Now, this is one of my favorites, although couldn't work, work a lick. Bulldog Brower. I used to be a big bull Brower power. Because back when I was a kid in IWA aired, they were out in New Jersey. They ran in a big stadium there. They were opposition because nobody, we were like, when we, when we came across it on TV one night, we were like, what the hell is this? And of course, through the magazines, I knew who those guys were, Mel Mascaris and all that. But, uh, you know, those those guys, they, they were almost like ahead of their, their time. And he was, he was there and I was like, totally, this guy's nuts. Like he really, you know, he used to do all that where maniac Mark Lewin got, you know, everything's a copy really. So Joe McHugh, the, the ring announcer, of course, Coles Brower, the one man riot squad. There's a lot of young guys we'll see in 1979 and Bulldog Brower ain't one of them. <laughs> He's got to be nearing 50 at this point. He's best known for, uh, for being one of Bruno San Martino's longest and most consistent opponents throughout his eight-year run as a WWF champion. However, he's a wild man and seems to have a lot of energy to beat up Charlie Brown. You remember Charlie Brown? He was a black guy, you know, six foot two, 240, sure. perennial worker, been all over. Um, he is a wild man and seems to have a lot energy to beat up Charlie Brown. He tips Brown upside down backwards over the top rope and onto a ringside table. Brower then proceeds to stomp the crap out of Brown on the table and then, re then repeatedly ram his face into it. Yes, I love it. This is you know, the author. Bulldog allows Brown back into the ring and Charlie mounts a comeback with a pair of headbutts because, you know, he's black. Bulldog this guy's hysterical. Cuts Charlie <laughs> off and flings him to the floor where he slams the wooden steps across the back of Brown. And we thought we invented extreme wrestling. Right, exactly. This is like you're describing a hardcore match right here. And what year is this again? So yep. think about who, who invented what. Uh, so let's see. But here's the, the best part, right? Uh, Rams uh, into space. Yes, I love Bulldog allows Brown back into the ring and Charlie mounts a comeback. Already? So they were doing it back then. He just got thrown out of... He didn't... You know, 
hobble around the ring, maybe try to make it in a couple times. Brower cut him off. No selling or anything, just right back in the ring. Boom. You know? He's Superman. Well, I guess maybe, be- maybe because it really was his gimmick, though. You know? Okay. No, but why? No, that, that's wrong for the other guy to make the comeback. But, yeah. It's wrong for the other guy to, to make a comeback. All right. Let's see, what, let's see what Charlie does. He throws Charlie back into the ring. Charlie mounts a comeback with a pair of headlights. Bulldog cuts Charlie off and flings him out to the floor where he slams the wooden steps across the back of Brown. Brower then rolls Charlie inside for a knee drop and the win at one minute and 56 seconds. Brower may be old, but he can still kick your ass. <laughs> I think it's hysterical. You know, I mean, if I was Brower, I wouldn't have been too happy that, you know, he just made a comeback that quick, you know, unless you hit him in the head prior because he can't hurt his head. Then he can right. come back and, and. So a little bit, at least, you know. Yeah. I'll come right they back. Some, they were making some booking mistakes right here. <laughs> All right. Um, this is a at least one. back then they had somewhat of an excuse making booking mistakes. Now I, I don't know so much. Right. So. Uh, they should have learned their lesson from all this. <laughs> exactly. So uh, we got a pretty good one here. Uh, this is another guy in here who, you know, I'll, I know when I wind up having a piece of paper and writing names down because the names that I don't know, I have to know. I got to know who they are. How do I not know them? So anyway. Well, that's what Wrestling guys. Rewind is about, you know. You that's take right. it back, you, you look up I'm some learning. stuff, you dig up some archives, and you find out right. some history. That's right. Moving uh, on. And this is when it was a, a blast, really. Imagine being one of those guys at that in that time. Great. But the best is when they tell the story, Bruno tells a story about the night he won the title, and he went alone back to this little hotel, and he bought a rotisserie chicken in, in like a storefront, and, and a, a gallon of orange juice. And he went back and he had his feast. And he was the, the, the champion. So, humble beginnings, right? All right, so this is Gurria and Zabisco against Johnny Rods and a guy by the name of Bull Molino. He was another one of those guys in a long list, Hispanic guys that they used to put guys over because they generally were, were pretty good. So, Bull Molino like, was another, you know, stocky guy. Zabisco and Rods have a nice scuffle on the mat to start. They end up on the floor for a moment. Back inside, Rods goes to slapping Zabisco and delivers some elbow drops. When Larry Z gets to his knees, Rods starts punching on him, tagged to Molino. Zabisco kicks him back as he comes off the ropes. Molino does a poor job of preventing the tag as Zabisco reaches Gurria. He really lays in a punch on Molino and whips him from corner to corner. Rods tries to leap at Gurria but misses and gets grabbed so the baby faces can whip the heels into one another. The champ continues to dominate. The champs continue to dominate with arm drags and arm bars. Eventually, Rods catches Gurria with a knee to the stomach and makes a short comeback. Gurria reverses things on Rods and whips him into the corner for a scary Ray Stevens bump to the apron. So I think that they're referring to what Ric Flair does. So he didn't do it. The flip uh, over into the corner. Yeah, yeah. That turnbuckle, yeah. Things, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so you're hearing it here. Gurria reverses things on Rods and whips him into, into the corner for the Ray Stevens uh, thing. Molino comes in and chokes Gurria up against the ropes, only to get popped in the face by Larry Zabisco. Tagged to Zabisco. He avoids a big splash off the ropes by Rods. 
Doria and Zabisco double team Rods while he's tied up in the ropes. Oh, but it's flat out murder. When it happens to Tony Doria, right? So in other words, now the heels are, uh, they're, they're, doing, they're getting away with it. Um, I mean, the faces are getting away with it. Molino is whipped into a corner, but then Johnny Rods lowers the boom on Gurria. While with Molino as a legal man, Gurria slaps on the abdominal stretch. Wow. For the submission. Nine minutes and 32 seconds. They should have left Gurria and Molino in the locker room and just had Larry Z and Johnny Rods battle it out. Half a star. So that's going to do it for that, that particular week. So, I mean, you know what it kind of reminds me of? Kind of reminds me of what was happening early in ECW, where things had no rhyme or reason. My first match I ever had with Ivan Koloff was a chain match, a double dog collar chain match. Based on what? We have an argument in, in a lot in a parking lot. <laughs> so, it based on they way. needed to start something hardcore and figured, you know, and yeah. here goes Tommy Caro yeah. and Ivan Koloff. Yeah, take advantage. I think what this is telling you, though, is that looking at it now, it kind of reminds me of when you're booking on a fly at the taping, um, getting your uh, angles over for the next match, at doing the interviews, but you're really not doing anything in the ring to help anybody, it would seem, because you're not utilizing the talent because you're just squashing them. You're not giving them any offense, so you're beating nobody. Um, and it doesn't seem like there's rhyme or reason again. So it's like, let's get these, we've got to get these matches in, you know, let these guys be that strong. Three minutes, two minutes. But uh, I'd rather see the guy, you know, hit a, at least a couple moves and then miss something. And then the guy hammers him. So I think it's like no, no different than any other time. While you're doing it and you're in the process, it's, it's easier to look back now and say, wow, that was kind of crappy. You could have done that better, you know. But, you know, it's all to get to a, a, a place. And maybe, you know, even back then they were guilty of not really, you know, have a solid foundation to get to your pinnacle. You know, it's a little crappy. I, I could think of take those same matches right now and let's rework them, me and you, see what we can come up with. I think we, we, we would build a, a bunch of guys that are enhancement talent now instead of jobbers and, you know, could have offense and it could be a, lot, a way more competitive match, you know? Um, so I don't know. It's, it's hard to say why that's happening, but it seems to be the trend. Um, but again, it's easier said than done. It's easier to sit here after it's over. You know, I'm sure people have ideas of what I did over the years with the, the, the promoting and you, what you did all that, you know, but I'll show you something later um, that I know nobody else has done. So we're going to go, now we're going to switch over to what would be the opposition, okay? Um, and that would be, of course, uh, Jim Crockett Promotions at the time, which I think recently was, uh, at that point, was uh, the precursor to World Championship Wrestling, I'm pretty sure. Um, yes. That's what it, morphed, it kind of morphed into. Right. So let me pull this up, and we will go across the country, or at least to the middle of the country. It comes under WCW. But it's got all sub chapters under the menu. And there's everything here, you know, you name it. So we're going to go, the error would be 79. No, it won't be WCW. It will be Georgia Championship Wrestling. And we're going to go, we're going to write in the same time frame exactly. 
Hey, this is um, Georgia Championship Wrestling. They were like changing the name, and like you never knew, but it was essentially what would turn out to be the 605 605 or 605 705, you know, show that we came to watch World Championship Wrestling. So, this is again considered Georgia Championship Wrestling, December 8th, 1979, Atlanta, Georgia, TBS 17 Studios. The current Champs are as follows. The heavyweight champion, NWA, is Harley Race. NWA Georgia heavyweight champion, the masked superstar, very gracious man by the name of Bill Eady, who, easy, one, two, three, eight minutes, put me over right in the middle of the ring like it was nothing. God bless that man. And anybody of that stature that put me over, you know, I mean, come on. It's, it's, it's nice. an honor. It is. I mean, in any of those matches that I show pictures of, it's always me getting hurt. Because, like, that's the point. The Iron Sheik put me in a camel clutch, and I got hung by Ivan Koloff. But to do the right thing, I hung myself more. Let the weight you give the people what they want to see, you know? It couldn't hurt my neck anyway. No. All right. So, uh, the Mass Superstars, the Georgia Heavyweight, the Georgia Tag Team Champions are Ivan Koloff and Alexis Smirnoff, taller guy. NWA Georgia television champion was Austin Idol. Now check this out. How do you how do you like this? Austin Idol and Ric Flair were obviously in the same place at the same time with the same gimmick. And the same thing when Buddy Landell came around. So that was three of them there. That's crazy, right. isn't it? Tommy right. Rich as well, I believe was yeah. it was yeah. around. Yeah. I gotta take a sip. I met Tommy for the first time last year. I went to uh, sign some pictures, and uh, he was a great guy. Took a little walk. We hung out, you know. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, time for something. Let me make this. Yeah. Time for something different. That's right. We need to take a break from the WWF. Now, I just did that, and it says it there. I just did it on my own accord, and it says it right here. Take a a break from WWF. And see what else is happening around the world of wrestling. Okay, if you'll notice, the champions listed above, Georgia now has three new champions all in the span of one evening. I don't know if that is due to lack of knowledge or when the titles changed hands. So the researcher added the date of the title changes and chose the day prior to the airing of the show to list the title changes or what exactly the mass superstar defeated Tommy Rich to regain the Georgia heavyweight title. The Georgia tag team champs, Ivan Kolop and Alexis Smirnoff, beat Ole Anderson and Jerry Briscoe. Ole Anderson. Oh. The whole, whole Anderson crew for me was like, now that guy Gene was like 70. He was still trudging around the ring. Take a break already, you know? <laughs> Retire. You always talking about beating up Pretty young kids. That Aaron Anderson to me. Ugh. You know? They act like they invented wrestling. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, the man superstar defeated Tommy Rich to regain the Georgia heavyweight and, you know, the tag cut. So now it says here that um, only uh, Anderson and Jerry Briscoe, while Austin Idol pinned Ray Candy, that's that big Zambui Express guy. Remember him? Ray Candy? He was big red somewhere years ago. Um, I got to make sure I, I know where I left off. 
if all of it happened in the same night, all those title changes, it's pretty incredible and probably should have been mentioned on the show. Maybe it was. Since the show is incomplete, it's not really fair to say for sure. So we'll just move on. In other news, there's some interesting baby faces, and you'll want to see who they are if you enjoy this era of wrestling. So check it out. Your host is Gordon Soley. The new, the new Georgia heavyweight champion, mass superstar, talks with Gordon Soley. He says it took him a while to get the championship back from Tommy Rich, but feels no one could beat him right now with the frame of mind he's in. He's looking ahead to Harley Race and the NWA world title. Now, you know, um, different style completely. But to me, when you had those scuffles in the studio and guys went at it, and you used to have Lance Russell, oh, come on. Like, even talk to the guy, call the guys by their first name. Oh, come on, Jerry. Like, you know, they hang out together. And it was chaos. And I always liked those brawls in the studio, on the floor, guys doing his has his time and you come and interrupt. I don't know. To me, that was always, it always seemed real, you know? Um, so we got, now this is interesting. I like to find out who this is, but Mr. Excitement, Dick Slater versus Yankee, Ken Dillinger. Now, I'm not sure who that is. Dillinger checks all the boxes for getting cheap heat, heel heat, in a Southern territory, nicknamed Yankee. Wear, check. Wearing a Union Cavalry uniform, check. And living in San Francisco, California, <laughs> Check. Not sure if Slater's nickname is sarcastic or what. I love Dick Slater, but he doesn't exactly scream excitement today. Up to this point in his career, he has remained a staple of Florida and Georgia wrestling circles. Slater does a great job manipulating joints here, and Dillinger doesn't just lie there selling the holes. He tries to get out of them. That's key, solely. Dillinger is going to have a mobility problem. Slater hits an elbow drop out of the corner and forward a forward roll-up, pins Dillinger in 420. So the times are on par with WWF, um, but it sounds like it's a little bit more, a little competitive. But I get a kick out of Gordon Soley. So I read his book, and he really was all over the place. Even though he was doing Florida Championship Wrestling, he would be on these different shows or have segments or whatever. But they credit Soley for being one of the most important figures in getting the sport over at that time, especially down, down there. Like he, he always commented on, I played for Virginia state, you know, fallback three years, captain, you know, he will educate you to give credibility to the guys that you're seeing, which makes sense. Just like you should don't ignore where they were before. If the guy was a champion in Japan, by all means, mention it. Right? Because he's on your show. You should it, it would only help, you'd think. Yeah, right? it would only help. All right. Dick so, Slater, a groundbreaking in this time for really becoming a, a hated racist like character. Yeah. And, uh, uh, when he did that, that program with yeah. Dark Journey and, you yeah. know, back in what UWF or what was maybe with Bill Watts and what whatnot. Yeah. Uh, just great stuff. Great stuff. Yeah. Like, like World War Two, right? Yeah. All the grannies. He could get away with that house. stuff in Georgia, doing that stuff in Georgia. Yeah. Was yeah. And as Gordon Sully would say, and say say hello to the shut-ins, he would say that on, on Florida Championship Wrestling, meaning the people that can't get out. So what are these little ladies doing? They're watching the war news and they're watching the Germans. And we got how many Germans during that time? Gimmicks. 
puns. So we've always done that. Wrestling has always mirrored society, and it's always been a controversy. It's always been controversial. No different than what we did with Michael Fay. That was what going on. That's not a genius. That's what wrestling is and always has been. So that woman who has no say anywhere outside the chair she's sitting on, she can pick her American boy to kick the crap out of that German, no good German. And it, she's getting, getting some. Or Russian. Or fill in. Because that was a favorite. <laughs> to yeah. stick a Russian in there. You know? So anyway. So we said. Um, yeah, so four, four minutes and 20 seconds. It's another quick one. All right. This, well, this, one, this one. And we'll, we'll, we'll wrap this portion up. The mass superstar again, Bill Eady. Against Mike Davis. You remember Mike Davis? He was from down south. Uh, Mike Davis and I forget the other guy. They were the rock and roll RPMs. Yes. At a um, time when the rock and roll express, you know, Marty Gennetti. So it was another on, along the same lines, you know, not as big time. Danny, but, not Danny Davis, Mike Davis. Uh, Mike Davis. I'm trying to think of the other guy. guy. He's blonde. He's got a star He's around his eye. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Painted his face up. I can't. I can't remember. Mm. He was a good worker too. Yeah, yeah. They both were. Um, all right. So, it is. Is this the same Mike Davis from Starcade nineteen eighty four? Because I do not remember him being this scrawny. Of course, there's five years in between these matches, but still, Superstar is ready for a shoulder block. But then he goes down to he goes down to two. Separate drop kicks and bails out. Back in, Superstar takes down Davis with a headlock, but Davis counters with the head scissors. Superstar gets madder and madder as the match progresses. He stays on Davis with headlocks. Davis backs Superstar into the ropes, but Superstar absorbs a punch and headbutts. He headbutts the crap out of Davis. A big slam gets two. Now he executes several backbreakers, but he picks up Davis off the mat at the count of two. The swinging neck breaker connects, but Superstar picks him up and whips him into the ropes for an epic clothesline. There's the Cobra Clutch down on the mat for the submission. Victory, three minutes and 15 seconds. Another great aggressive squash. He will not be beaten. So, Real essentially quick. doing the same thing. Essentially In and out. Thing. Three minute squash. But I'll tell you the difference. I guarantee you would find that in that time frame when they were doing that, both of them in separate areas, the WWF was using the same, pretty much the same genres over and over. So you saw your Bull Pometti, your Sylvain Sousa, all these guys, right? They just kept bringing in new jobbers. So you didn't see that guy get beat 10 times. So if they wanted to bring him back and make him halfway decent, they could. They didn't kill him. So you just had new meat, you know, like what they did right. with the, the Road Warriors. Because they couldn't work. They didn't know how to work when they first came. And not even at the end. So then over to Gordon Soli. He's standing by with Gorgeous George Jr. Who has his stable of Killer Khan and Professor Toru Tanaka. George says Khan and Tanaka are masters of martial arts. And will pit them against each other. This Friday night at the Atlantic City Auditorium. The winner comes out $1,000 richer. And the loser will have to find a new manager. Because Gorgeous George Jr. Doesn't manage losers. 
The mass superstar has been waiting patiently to say something and stands front and center to put over his championship match this Friday night with Dick Slater, Tricky Dick Slater, and labels Slater as a stepping stone to get a match with Harley Race over the NWA world title. The tape drops off and comes back to Gordon Soley interviewing the new Georgia tag team champs, Ivan Koloff and his cousin, Alexis Smirnoff. I wonder if he's from down south, too. <laughs> Probably. A couple um, of Russians from, what, Tennessee? <laughs> yeah. Alexis will be the – Koloff and Alexis will be the tag champs for a long time to come, while Smirnoff really adds to the conversation by only saying they will destroy everyone in their way. They meet Tony Atlas and Ray Candy this Friday night over the Georgia Tag titles. Tom Shaft, another journeyman worker, shows up and has words for Thunderbolt Patterson. Remember Thunderbolt went on um, one of those talk shows years ago talking about racism in pro wrestling. They basically told him to shut up. The other wrestlers that were there, oh, shut up. <laughs> really? All right. Um, Oh, look, here's Buzz, uh, early Buzz Sawyer. Now that was, what's that? Uh, yeah, I didn't uh, catch that um, about, uh, yeah, go ahead, early Buzz Sawyer. Young, Let's get into that. That's great. Buzz Sawyer, what a maniac he was, right? Mm-hmm. That guy was intense. Wow. Killer. He had some, you know, some vitamins of some sort. All right, so oh, Buzz Sawyer uh, is very young here. He's only 20 years old here. Already ridiculously talented. I don't know much about Gerald Finley, other than he appears a perennial TV jobber. Koloff meets Sawyer to start. He's all over Koloff to start with headlocks and armbars. Koloff forces Sawyer into his corner to tag out. Smirnoff rolls him around the ring in an armbar. As Sawyer arm drags Smirnoff, Koloff tags in and takes Sawyer to the canvas for a combo head scissors and armbar. Back to Smirnoff. He stays on the arm. Sawyer slams out of the hole, but Smirnoff grabs a foot and tags Koloff to prevent a. The Russians prevent a tag. The Russians will not let Sawyer get out of the corner. Once Koloff hammerlock slams Sawyer, he's able to get loose and hot tag Finley. He catches Koloff with a big drop kick and slams him. Koloff kicks Finley down and then throws him into Smirnoff. Now, check this out. Now we're talking about heels, right? And they're getting opposition. They're giving to the baby faces. The other two matches, the baby faces didn't get anything. This guy's slamming them and everything. There's a method to that. Um, so they tag Sawyer for a tag. He comes in at House of Fire, misses a jumping knee, knee drop, tags to Smirnoff. He, cut, he delivers an atomic drop for two. Smirnoff applies a bear hug, but tags Koloff. Sawyer ear claps out of the hole only to be nailed from behind by Koloff. Finley, in comes Finley, sorry, but he's stomped down by Koloff. I got this thing in the middle of my screen. Now you're good. Sawyer rear claps out of the hole, knee drops and tags Smirnoff, who dishes out a slam and applies a Boston crab. Koloff pushes on Smirnoff's head to add more leverage back to Koloff. He gives Finley a bunch of running knee drops to the back. Another double team move takes care of Finley. As Smirnoff slams Finley across Koloff's knee, 
Koloff picks up Finley off the mat and lets Smirnov get the pin, 653. The Russians really seem to enjoy beating up Finley, I'm saying. But the guys, you got, if, if you're the heel now, you know, you, you want to have a reason to beat up these guys. So you let them get something in because that gets you angry. And now you beat the crap out of them. See the difference between the other, when it was the other way? They didn't give the, the baby face anything. So it's it kind of it's kind of weird. I, I got to question that to a point. But um, there's different ways to do things uh, wrong. <laughs> yeah, well, like I always say, they say practice makes perfect. Only perfect practice makes perfect. You can practice something all day long. If it's not right, it's not right. All right. Now, how are we doing? On, uh, we're on about 40 minutes. Time? So we're, we're on about 40 minutes. So continue. All right. Okay. All right. I'm going to pick. Let's see what we got here. Oh, here. Now, this is another one. Look at this. This bewilders me. NWA Georgia TV Championship. Austin Idol versus Chick Donovan. You know Chick Donovan. Donovan. That that He's was the other guy. Flair or was it Chick Donovan? Was the other uh, was no. no, no, maybe not. <laughs> uh, the 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 um, rock and roll RPMs. No, it's not. It's like Tommy Chicky Lane. Star? I think. Not Chicky Star. My, my, Mike. I don't know who yes. I'm yes, Mike. So it was Mike? What was the guy's name? Mike from? We were just talking about him. Uh, from the uh, uh, Rock and Roll RPMs. Yeah, Mike, yeah. Um, well, it's Tommy Lane <laughs> is his partner, I'm pretty sure. I yeah. Think. I forgot the other okay. guy. Okay. Well, moving on. All right, so that's another, yeah. This this is a, another one because Chick Donovan is another, like, a nature boy. He's got the blonde hair. Right. And, you know, he's facing Austin, Austin Idol, another one. So it's for the Georgia TV Championship. Donovan looks much better with brown hair. So he had blonde. Idol is too busy posing and misses the fact that Donovan is behind him. A nice standing drop kick from Donovan sends Idol to the floor. Back inside, Donovan is all over Idol, twisting and cranking on the arm. Idol pushes Donovan off into the ropes, but Donovan gives him a shoulder bar. Back up, Idol catches Donovan coming off the ropes with a knee strike. Idol then sneaks a punch to the throat. Behind the ref's back to the blind side of the ref. Darn. He slams Donovan and comes off the second rope for an elbow drop, but lifts Donovan up off the mat after a two count. Idol punches Donovan down with the taped fist. Donovan avoids a slam and tries an O'Connor roll, but Idol hooks the ropes. Donovan avoids a running elbow drop, but whips on a drop kick. Idol then applies the Las Vegas leg lock to figure four. Flair's there. He's there. Like, I would have thought that like, Las Vegas leg lock. I like that. Are going to change their gimmick? Um, but I would think if you were Rick Flair, you'd say no, uh, because they never played it up like it was a big Nature Boy rivalry. So I don't know what what the point was of having, and then to have Nature Boy, uh, what's his name there, uh, Buddy Landell at the same time. I mean, wow. I always it's a lot. It's a lot of peroxide uh, floating around. Yeah. All right. So they go back over to Gordon Soley. He gives Austin Idol some mic time. 
He says all of his opponents have one thing in common. They are all losers. No one can escape the Las Vegas leg lock, and he defies anyone to try. Soli mentions there's a guy who has some comments for Austin Idol. The man's name is Ric Flair. We cut to a Ric Flair promo from Mid-Atlantic where he talks about being a young millionaire. He brings a blonde woman to say he's often imitated and never duplicated. There's only one nature boy. Woo! Back to Georgia. Idol just thinks guys like Ric Flair and Tommy Rich are just jealous. This Friday night, Idol plans to break Rich's leg. As to Flair, Idol says he wouldn't be seen in public with a woman who looked that bad. Idol wraps up referring to himself as the national TV champ, which is true since they are on cable. Now we cut to an interview done in Knoxville territory as Les Thatcher interviews Dick Slater, who was a big part of the promotion in 1979. They talk about memories wrestling in Atlantic City Auditorium as the building was sold to Georgia State University. Coincidentally, the university also purchased Turner Field, where the Atlanta Braves played until 2016. Of course, with the Atlantic City Auditorium no longer available as a public venue, the Omni becomes the premium building for Georgia Championship Wrestling. Back to the interview. Slater puts over Paul Jones, to the promoter, not the wrestler, for being the man behind all the great matches. The people of Atlanta had seen in the Atlantic City Auditorium over these years. Slater then discusses the importance of the Georgia heavyweight title as a way to get NWA an NWA title shot. Thatcher wants to know how Slater would handle the current champ. The man's superstar, Slater, doesn't like guys who wear masks, except Mr. Wrestling too. He doesn't think the people of Georgia want the superstar as their champion. He doesn't even think the superstar is that good of a wrestler. All Slater needs is a chance to beat him, and he can get this Friday night. There's a little bit left here. Babyface Ole Anderson stops by, talk with Gordon Soley. Gotta love the facial hair here. Ole has a dogfight match planned where there are no rules. I don't know who his opponent is, but it sounds wild. After a break, Freddie Miller comes over to tell Gordon Soley their next match involving Ray Candy can't happen as there's no time left. He walks over to Gordon for a talk as he will regain the Georgia TV title. Candy talks about Tony Atlas will be lifting 600 pounds over at the Decatur YMCA. Solely pulls, puts them over as an exciting tag team as they close out the show. This was worlds more exciting than the WWF programming. Not that I was going to be surprised. So, um, what do you make of all that craziness? Pretty nuts. <laughs> yeah, I preferred it, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. Even in, even in uh, my first like magazine interview, you know, um, I said, when they asked me, like, where do I see myself? I said, I see myself as a part of the NWA. Because to me, it represents true, the closest thing to, I didn't say that, but it represents true wrestling. Which, you know, you were more likely to have cauliflower ears after working down south or out west or in the NWA than you were, you know, probably on, on the East Coast. Not forever or, or always and you know, not that there weren't guys but most of those guys applied their trade elsewhere at a, a way y- younger age and they were still holding on tight you know and that rubbing and some of the doctors said you have the beginnings I was like yes like maybe I'll just rub them now you know it's a badge of honor you know? and that's unfortunately how some of the guys felt about this like they were more pre- preoccupied with that 
You know, like, let's get in the ring first. Let me hit you with something that will make you have to do that. (laughs) I got to say, though, uh, watching uh, Bill Watts' property, UWF, back in the 80s, uh, you know, it, it got Good. really addictive to, to see people get color every single week. And, and the, the brawl, I thought the, the brawls there were some of the, you know, that was some of the innovators back in UWF and USWA and those territories with those guys that just like, you know, yeah. tore it up before anybody else was really doing anything. So to it was talk a about that little, you know. They That's what I tuned for. Like I had, yeah, they had the mentality like I had, and then I met Manny, and that was the, the, the true manifestation of you like it like that. Let's do it like that, brother, because all it can do is solidify our legacy. As you don't want to go in there and do that. Now I'll say this: you watch New, New Japan Pro Wrestling, the main roster. I don't know how these guys aren't dead. They, I mean, it's brutal. Our matches, hard, hard, hard. That would be similar to what those guys did. And me and Manny did. I I thought of it like this. It's 1980. Was he? Yeah, I was after ECW. You know, it's weird, that time frame. But I was able to have with him, had I not come across him, I never would have had what I liked most. I like to work that way. I want people to say, a friend of mine, I sent him a match where Tommy Dreamer, he knocks me out at the end. But you could see that I wasn't, because he was no selling, I was no selling. And I didn't hold back. I was hitting him a lot harder than he was hitting me. I was giving him every reason to take it maybe to the next you know level. Um, but I like that. I like people. I've sent that friend to my friend Joe. He goes, like people appreciate what you did. And you know what? I probably maybe wouldn't do it again because I'm crippled, but it's part of my, uh, what I do have as a, a, a legacy or, you know, you have a good story and I'm respected for that. And again, people will, will say often, what does that have to do with anything in a worked business? I don't know. I'd rather see a Danny Hodge, a Luthez, you know, I'd rather, if he can do all, it all, you know, if he's just because he's an amateur and he was a great shooter doesn't mean he's going to make a pro wrestler. As a matter of fact, those are the guys who have the hardest time to make the transition. Bob Backlund couldn't accept that he had to put guys over that he could easily beat in, in a minute. Like he never made that adjustment. That So in my mind, if my top 10 guys, the only one who's not a really legitimate badass would be Bruno, you know, because he wasn't that kind of guy. That's not saying he couldn't break your back because he was strong, but he wasn't a, a Luthez. He wasn't a Danny Hodge. He wasn't a Billy Robinson. So to me, if you're tough, on top of you can do everything else. They can never take that away from you. It can never make you less. It can always make you more. You know, yeah, that guy, he can work his head. Man, that's a tough son of a bitch right there, man. You know, you don't want if you if you can, avoid, you know. That's a great thing. Keeps a lot of jerks away. You know what I mean? Certainly. <laughs> so. Into, go on. You're up. Oh, I walked into a video store with my wife. I was about 240 pounds ECW days. And I walked in. You know, I had 
shorts on. I'm ridiculous. So as I walk away from the counter, oh, I said to the guy, where's the wrestling videos? And I guess he didn't hear me the first time. So I asked him again, right? And as I walked away, I heard, I guess steroids affect your hearing. Well, I'd about, I went to the test. I said, what did you say? Do you believe that he got over on me? He's, I let him, I guess I let him off the hook is what was I going to do? He said, oh no, we're talking about a movie. Your lady was on steroids. I'm like, yeah, I didn't believe it, but my wife was like, come on, what are you going to do? So we went to a store another time, similar, I think the same store. And this girl's like, so I'm like, hi, okay, here. Right. I said, honey, what the hell's wrong with that? Do you realize what you look like walking around? You got chains, you're bald, you got a black goatee, you're 230, 240 pounds. You know, me, all I, I only- Looking the part of something. <laughs> yeah, I, but me, I'm a, I'm a little kid. Like when I, right. I, I meet a guy and he's my age, I'm like, like, I feel like a kid, like he's old, you know? So it's, it's all your own perception is, is different than everybody else's, you know? So um, that was, I think, interesting for the simple fact that it shows the differences across and the similarities um, across the, the country. Um, and there's many other, all every organization you can think of, UWF is in there. We could do some of that. Um, if you like, we, we have time left or we're, we're good. You know what? We're just closing out to about the end here. But um, maybe next episode we could pick up where we left off on UWF because I would actually like to get into that. So yeah, um, I'll, I'll prepare. Anything it. you want to close out with, Tommy? No, but before we go, pick who you want. Can you think of anybody you want to compare it to? You want to compare it to Florida? So we'll do a Florida and we'll do a UWF. Okay. That's good. All right. So the no, next wrestling uh, archives will be, you know, Florida versus UWF. And we'll yes, get into and, all that history and all that information. And uh, I hope everyone has enjoyed the first episode of Wrestling Archives and A Spirit of 76 or here on Wrestling Rewind. And hopefully you'll join us back next week uh, when we will be here with our first guest who uh, yes. will be announced shortly. So it's a surprise. So uh, join us back next week here on uh, Monty and the Pharaoh's YouTube. And, and we'll see you then. Until then, have a nice night and a nice life.